let's go to Australia. Uh, and a couple of months ago, we brought up the idea of a four-day school week. Students had started a petition over 7,000 signatures here. And we were very surprised on the panel by the response from panel listeners. The majority of you were for a four-day school week. Nevertheless, it doesn't look like any changes at all around the corner here in Aotearoa. But across the ditch in Queensland, they're allowing more flexible school weeks from Term 1 next year. And with us is Mark Breckenridge, the President of the Queensland Secondary Principals Association. Mark, good to have you on the panel here in New Zealand. And it's a pleasure. And anytime you want to talk about Vegemite sandwiches, I'm happy to talk about that too. <laughs> well, you guys are the experts on this, but to the four-day week, so interesting because it was an issue here in New Zealand, Mark. A four-day school week could be a possibility for some schools in Queensland. Explain this for us. So what this does is this introduces a policy to actually formalise a practice that has existed in quite a number of secondary schools for well over a decade now. Um, it's not so much for primary schools, obviously, because of age, or even yeah. for junior secondary students. But if you think about senior secondary students in particular, who, while they might be completing their senior course of study, might also be undertaking a university subject or a TAFE course or doing a day of a school-based apprenticeship out in the workforce. So what it does was it allowed for the in-school learning to happen, but also create some flexibility for students to access other types of learning outside the school. Did it take quite a while, Mark, for you to get there or policy to get there? Because I can imagine there would have been a lot of input from all sides in this debate. So certainly what this procedure does is map out really clearly the level of consultation that's needed. It can't just be someone's bright idea on a Monday <laughs> and it starts again on the following Monday. It's, it's some extensive conversations, not just with parents and students, but also People like school transport providers, yeah. um, other schools that might feed into the high school, like, you, you name it, uh, anyone that's involved in the local community of the school needs to have an opportunity to say, hey, what would it look like if our students, our senior students, weren't attending the school mm. site every five days? They're still learning for five days a week, but oh they may not God. be attending the school site physically. So a long consultation period, followed by a trial, Gosh. with then an, an evaluation to see if, the, if it's successful, and if so... Then they can then they can bring it in with the proviso that it is reviewed every two years to make sure they're still fit for purpose. Yeah, when you think about it, Connor, we've got a panel here, Mark. It's quite an extraordinary decision when you hear Mark saying, Connor, all those people who have got to be bought in, including your transport providers, to make this happen. Yeah, well, I, I think it's. Um, but you're not talking about kids only being schooled for four days. You're talking about them being schooled for five yeah. days, but one of those days perhaps off site. And, I mean, I think when I grew up, we went off-site to go and do manual training, which was, you know, woodwork or, or cooking. And, uh, you know, so we were still learning, but we weren't on the school on the school premises. So that's sort of what you're talking about, isn't it? Well, that's, that's pretty much exactly what it is. And certainly for, for senior secondary students, there are some schools that are looking at this for junior secondary. So we're talking about students in those early teenagers, 13, 14, 15, where... During the week, they might that, that flexible day where the senior students aren't there, they might do a range of optional activities um, or mm. enrichment activities, or they might actually be able to access some of the senior facilities within the school 
that normally they couldn't get access to, like, you know, high-end science labs or, or performance spaces or things like that. So um, it, it is that four-day approach with still learning occurring across five days. Five days, yeah. So, I mean, it's been a bit like that through the COVID, hasn't it, where kids weren't allowed to go to school at all, but in theory we're learning for five days online, isn't it? So it's some sort of and hybrid I think of that. This is, yeah, I think this is one of the things that has possibly, as I said, this has been in place in a number of Queensland secondary schools for quite a while, but certainly the conversation has accelerated coming out of COVID with the realisation that, particularly for those older students, it doesn't necessarily need to be five days physically at school. We learnt that. Hmm. Mark, I'm curious. Obviously, this has been happening for a while now, like you say, and this is I'm assuming it's happening quite successfully if you're going to consider you know, expanding it and making it more formalised. Has there been any form of like significant pushback from parents or whatever from what you've already seen hmm. from this? So there's been there's been concerns raised by parents um, in since the release of this procedure last week, but they typically relate to I guess a lack of awareness around what this might look like. Mm. So in the last week, there's been more communications out to schools and through schools about if if, if a school chooses to go down this that consultation I talked about before, and just trying to allay parents' fear, particularly those of younger students. This is this is not predominantly aimed at younger students. It is aimed at those older secondary school students that don't need that that close supervision from a parent or a teacher during the day. Yeah. Hey, Mark, um, what, what about the feedback from the students themselves? What do they think about it? Well, the students that have been doing this for some time really appreciate the flexibility. Yeah. So they can do more than just their regular schoolwork. Um, for those students, it, it really does play out well. And those skills that have had this in, as I say, for more than a decade, uh, it, it, it must be successful. They must be finding it worthwhile to keep it going. Hey, before you go, Mark, you may or may not want to uh, say, but, I mean, there's a pretty significant uh, a policy rollout. Uh, <coughs> as, as a senior person in education in Queensland, have you had any interest from colleagues uh, across the ditch here in New Zealand? Not, not yet from across the, across the ditch in New Zealand, but certainly from my, my counterparts in other states in Australia, there yeah. has been some interest in this, yes. Very nice to have you on the program. I do appreciate it. That's Mark Brickenridge, the president of the Queensland Secondary Principals Association. Uh, so, yeah, from term one next year, uh, they are allowing more flexible school weeks. Now, that includes, Verity, a four-day week. How do you feel yourself about that? I mean, I, I, felt, I felt quite nostalgic at the concept um, because I remembered being in a highly intensive school when I was growing up. And you went how, to quite a strict school, didn't you? Yeah, it was really intense. Like, I think for the first year of university, I basically just got drunk every day because it was just such a, like, you know, I could such do it relief. in my sleep. It was such a relief, yeah. <laughs> year 13, I still have nightmares about working, as to waking up in year 13. Um, and the idea of having a day off once a week in year 13 would have been extraordinary in the sense that it allows you to see that there's a world beyond the rigid work that you're currently doing what academically. You, what about you, Connor? Would you allow it? I mean, you've, got, you've got children. Would you, would you support it yourself? Yeah, I think it's, it's just, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think what he's, uh, Mark's talking about is you do have five days of learning. It's just yeah. on one of those days you're not at school. And mm. um, so you're learning in different ways, and people do learn in different ways. And, uh, you know, you look at kids who are, um, more more into physical things, you know, going and working on a building site for something, you know, for a day, for example, could be really, really useful for that 
uh, that child's learning. So I think okay. I, I think it's useful to look at different ways of doing things. Yeah, we did a poll, uh, a snap panel poll last, and we talked about it some weeks ago when it was mooted, uh, or what, a couple of months ago. Um, and some said, uh, yes, my kids had the opportunity to go to school for a year in France. School days were Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Wednesdays were put aside for sport if they wanted mm. to play. Uh, weekends of family time at work for us. Uh, another one said, no, our kids are already behind in international standards. We don't need any more dumbing down. Well, the, the, the boarding school I went to, Wallace, we had Wednesday afternoons off to do sport or go to the right. dentist or whatever, but we had to work, had to go into the classroom on Saturday morning to make up the oh. time. No, that's a big no from me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that won't happen. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. That's not happening. (laughs) 15 to 5, the panel, Verity Johnson and Connor English. A family of four could now be paying up to 38% more on their car insurance compared to 2021, according to a new Consumer NZ survey. Car insurance prices have risen across the board. And the consequences among those without coverage, 10% chose to let their car insurance policy lapse due to cost. That's up from 2% 2% in 2022. Is this year, have you given up on car insurance due to cost, or maybe it's prompted you to be a one-car family? What's the experience been for you? 2101 for texting. One answer could be shopping around with savings to be made between providers. With us is Rebecca Stiles, the research team leader at Consumer NZ. Rebecca, welcome. Hiya. Well, this was quite a startling stat, to be honest. Nearly 40% in two years on their car insurance. That's extraordinary. Tell us more about what you found in the survey. Yeah, certainly a big jump, um, jump and a big pressure on families. So the biggest jump we saw was for the family of four. So that's for two adults and two teenage drivers. Um, so... Um, Yes, that was the biggest jump, whereas for others, um, like an older person, it was up 24%, for a middle-aged, up 21%, and for a younger person, it was up 30% in premiums based on our survey in 2021. Do you have a car, Verity? I do. I also have, have you insurance. thought about this? I have. You know, what's funny is that I actually got a quote for the renewal, and normally I would automatically renew it, but this year, because I've just been living on, like, you know, <laughs> a $7 margin each week, yeah. I, like, let it lapse, and then I was, like, you know, this week, going to look around to find a better deal. There so, you go. Yeah. So you're one of these people? I am, yeah, technically. <laughs> Although I am going to get insurance. Yeah. Like, if you're listening, Mum, I am getting insurance. <laughs> I am doing it. I haven't forgotten. Um, but, like, yeah, I definitely would normally just unthinkingly renew whatever insurance I had and not even question it because it wasn't a, a big deal. Now, because it's a big deal, I'm like, okay, stop. Like, we're going to find another deal. So how are people responding to these let's face it, just very large rising costs, Rebecca. Yeah, I think, uh, just like Rarity was saying, shopping around is a good first um, place to start, just looking at your cover, that you're covered for enough and that you're not paying too much, like just going online and doing a few quotes and just to make sure that you're getting the best deal possible for you. I think that's probably the main thing people would do. And also look at, um, you can up your excess and maybe that will help bring the premiums down, maybe getting several policies with the same insurer to try and bring those costs down. Those are a few levers that people can pull. Um, the other option, I guess, is to go from our surveys on comprehensive insurance. There's also third-party and third-party fire and theft. So obviously that's not as um, much cover, but it does give you some protection if you're you know, praying into somebody. 
Now, someone says Winston Peters many years ago was keen on compulsory third party as Australia mm. and UK do have. Mm. Just a reminder, uh, Rebecca, before we get Connor to jump in, what, it's not compulsory to have third party here? It's not, no. No, yeah. How would mm. that work if you get in a crash? Well, you're going to have a very big bill. It does um, put you at a lot of risk if something does happen. Even if you've got an old dunger, if you know you're paying into a Tesla, you're going to be, you know, in the poo, to put it mildly. Connor. (laughs) Yeah, well, look, it's not only car insurance, isn't it? That's gone up. It's Mm -hmm. house insurance as well. And and, um, insurances generally uh, have gone through the roof. So um, I think it will be a struggle for a lot of people to reinsurance and uh, to keep insuring. Sorry, and I think that um, maybe the government might need to look at making it compulsory for third-party insurance, so that there is some protection for everyone, whatever sort of car they've gotten and whatever they can afford. We might come. Ba- we might come back to this, Rebecca. I, people find it quite extraordinary we have no uh, compulsory third party. But look, um, mm-hmm. it's hitting people, Rebecca. Here's one. Mike says. $1,550 a year for our mm-hmm. SUV. No young drivers. We sold one of our two cars. So needless to say, mm. this is going to be hitting people, isn't it? Mm. So, yeah, that's a huge jump yeah, for an SUV for no younger drivers. You would think there'd be fairly limited risk factors for that, but yeah. Mm. So, um, I mean, you're a consumer. Is there any advice on what people uh, might want to do for the next year? Um, I think the key is shopping around. Um, do um, review what you're insured for and just yeah, look online, see if you get a cheaper deal. Um, that's probably the most of that you can do at the moment and check your e- excess and that you're actually insured for enough as well. Those are sort of the key things. Good on you, Rebecca. Thank you very much. Really good Cheers. stuff. Yeah, a lot of response on this. Um, uh, by the way, Rebecca Stiles is the research team leader at Consumer. Uh, Peter says, let's return to where third-party insurance was included in the registration by the government-owned insurance company, says one opinion. Um, I saved a thousand on house insurance when went to my car insurer. Really? I should do that then, because I have to go and get this done. Yeah, like where you go to the AA and they do your car and they do your house. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. Mm. Very good. Uh, the panel, RNZ, lovely to have your company, and I just absolutely loving your brain feedback. Do we have to do this again? <laughs> yes, we do, just for one more. Sarah in Tauranga says, on a working holiday, I met a gorgeous Australian farmer whose favourite meal, bless him, was brains and apricot jam. What? What? Suffice to say, I left him there on his outback station. So, George, if you're listening, I'm sorry I broke your heart. <laughs> oh, my God. <gasps> So was it the jam that was the problem? It's, well, it was exactly that, Connor. It wasn't the brains. It was the type of jam that they use in the outback. Uh, very good. It's uh, nine to five, the panel RNZ National. Well, let's go to the the big day in Ototahi Crisis. All the action. Harness racing hit Edmonton uh, with a vengeance for the biggest meeting of the year, starting at noon. There was over $1.3 million in stake and the pools for all the races. It's raised over 3,200 metres this year. The New Zealand Cup is worth $750,000. The Cup has been running since 1904 when it was won by Monte Carlo. And as I understand, just happening or should be happening right about now or two minutes ago, race 10 
the Avon City Ford Trot worth $30,000. Race 11 at 5.20, the IRT New Zealand Trotting Cup. But as much as it's on the field action, it's the fashion that brings in the crowds also. With us is New Zealand designer Nicole Ribstock judging the Crossing Cup Day fashion competition today. Nicole, lovely to have you on the panel. Oh, thank you for having me. Well, what a massive day for you, Nicole. You must have been busy the whole morning, the whole afternoon. Yes, I mean, it's just, it's been huge, really, and it's it's still all going on here. It's been a beautiful, sunny day, and yeah. everyone's in a wonderful mood, and we've had so many fantastic contestants. Um, yeah, it's probably been the most competitive year so far, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and they do dress up, don't they? Can I allow myself to say that my my, my wonderful wife, Tab, uh, you know, she she entered some years ago, and I dressed up in, in my, what did I wear? Was it a bow tie or a, or a tux? I can't recall, Nicole. But what I can recall, it was just so much joy getting yes. dressed to the nines, wasn't it? <laughs> Yes, and, and that's that's it really. It's just really, really good to see everyone out having a good time. And, you know, everyone always looks their best when they feel good. So yeah. I think that's yeah. the most important thing. Verity? I also just feel as though New Zealand doesn't put any effort into its fashion normally. So, like, I just... <laughs> what? It doesn't. Out the, the standard of dressing in this country is appallingly low. Nicole, you are doing the God's work out there, being a pioneer oh. for fashion. I look at you every day and think how amazing you are. So oh, thank, you. thank you. But I just feel... <laughs> I feel like this is a moment of catharsis so for the rude. nation. No, You're so no. Rude. Only in New Zealand would men come to a burlesque show wearing jandals, and they don't well, even get pedicures. I have, I have got something in in, in our defence here, and that is that I don't know if you guys know, but at the Melbourne Cup, they decided to allow them to wear shorts this year, which has never been allowed before. Wow. And I and I can confirm that I've not seen one pair of legs from any men today. Good, good. There you go. Canterbury <laughs> doing it again. Nice yeah. one. Yeah, lovely, Nicole. We've got uh, Connor with us as well. Now, Connor, I know that even you, even though you are from the farm, you would never wear a jandle to a burlesque show. <laughs> Uh, well, probably not, no. <laughs> That's right. You no, better gumboots, not. Gumboots instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you have a question for Nicole, Connor? Uh, how do you judge whether someone's good, you know, well-dressed or not? What are the things well, you look for? It, you know, it's really difficult because some people dress re- very traditionally and other people really do like to push, you know, push the boundaries. And, and neither of them are wrong. They're, they're both great. Yeah. I think what what makes the difference is how they tie it all together and the coordination between the accessories and the shoes and, and, and you know, just creating a whole look and, and really going for it. So I think those were the ones that stood out today were the ones that really tied everything together in a thoughtful way. Amen. Like, yes. with, like with Baylor twine or something like that. <laughs> ah, just humour, humour Nicole, <laughs> is what we do here on the panel. Uh, humour's good. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. Nicole, um, as I understand it, has judging wrapped up for the day? Yes, it's just wrapped up recently. Um, and so everyone's off to watch the races now. I think there's been a fair amount of drinking. Um, I haven't seen anything too unsensible. <laughs> but no, everyone's having a wonderful time. Um, it was great this year, actually, because we had a, a, a proper tent dedicated to the fashion. So everyone was able to sit in there and enjoy the fashion mm. and eat the good food and, and have a great time. Fabulous. Oh, Nicole, so, that's so lovely. Can you give us a name? Was there a supreme winner this afternoon that you can give us a name to? Well, there were two, actually. Um, 
there was Somalia and 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 also Samuel. They were just um, best dressed and best suited, and they just you know just from head to toe were wonderful. Mm. Um, they looked the part, and they were not scared to strut their stuff. <laughs> Keep up the great work, Nicole. Kia ora. I appreciate your time today. No worries. Have a wonderful evening. Yeah, same to you. That's uh, New Zealand designer Nicole Rebstock judging the fashion at Addington. Um, here's an email here. Look, kia ora. People are confusing compulsory personal injury third-party insurance with compulsory property damage third-party. The former was replaced by ACC when it was established. The latter has never been in place, and nor is it in place in most uh, countries. Um Wallace, your panellist is so right. Some men in particular have no idea and think Jandals is dress-up. Yes. It's the same on <laughs> yes. international flights. Yes. It's just awful. <clears throat> uh, but Caroline in Tauranga says, please tell Verity to sod off back to England. <laughs> I'm not going to say. Did you just give me racist um, abuse to tell me to get back to or, England? Or to... to, to or, and like, to desist on her denigration of a whole nation. Oh, no, darling. No, no, no. I don't denigrate this nation. I do this because I love New Zealand. You have attractive men. You have attractive women. But you should just put in a tiny bit of effort and you will be absolutely oh, stunning. This is coming on. from a place of love, not from a place That's of denigration. Not, it's, being rude. it's not being rude. I just expect better <laughs> because you have greatness inside of you and I want to see it come out because it's there. Return to this. <laughs> Verity Johnson, Cloth <laughs> English. Great to have you both on Kyoto. Thanks to Ayana, producer. I'm Wallace Chapman back tomorrow for Wednesday. See you then. <laughs>